What's up, witches? It's Claudia here, and I have some exciting news. Finally, we have created a Patreon. So you can find us at patreon.com forward slash true crime coffin pot. At the moment, there is only one tier. It's the familiar tier, and it's just where you can chuck us a quid just to help keep us going every month. We aim to expand on this and create new tiers and exciting content. But for now, if you'd like to support us in this way, please do go ahead. That's patreon.com forward slash true crime coffin pod. Enjoy the episode, guys. What's, What's up, up witches? witches? Hi, I'm Claudia. And I'm Jess. And welcome to True, true Crime, crime Coven. Hey, Jess. Hey, Claudia. How are you? I'm better than I was a couple of days ago. I've been ill. Yeah, you've been a bit poorly and so is baby Ola. Yeah, she has not been a jolly happy baby. She has been miserable and all bunged up and I'm glad I'm feeling a bit better because I don't sound as nasally as I did, but I might sound a bit bit coldy still. How's Ola doing? Uh, she is a lot better, actually. We went to the GP today, but for unrelated reasons. She had her six-week check. Ah, uh, fair. Um, all good? Yeah, all good. They mm. said she has very good head control for a six-week-old baby. And I said, I know, she headbutts me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, yeah, I'm aware. Yep. yep. She, she, she still looks very cute. Kick. When you sent me the video, was it yesterday, of her, like, nestling into you? She still looked very oh, cute. Yeah. yeah, her being extra clingy. She just wants yeah. to constantly be cuddled. A better part of you loves that, though. Yeah, it's quite nice. It's and one of those like, things that, like, even if it's annoying at the time, you know you've got to save her because it goes I so know, quickly. I know. Um, I was listening to another podcast the other day, and they were saying how their son always gets in bed with them, and they were like, although it's annoying, they're like, one day he's going to grow up and be a grumpy teenager and not even want to speak to us. So yeah. you do have to appreciate while they're little. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it, where cuddle. it's like you're constantly like sort of battling yourself almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For some peace, but knowing that one day you'll hate the peace. <laughs> yeah, one day I'll be like, please just cuddle me. Like, you just love me. Too. She'll be like, shut up, mum, I hate you. Oh, I hate you. You're not my friend. <laughs> I'm going to Nan's. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, your mum is going to be like the safe place of cookies, for sure. <laughs> well, I think it might be more my sister. Because yeah? she now lives around the corner and I think she's going to be like the crazy wine auntie. Okay, well, I mean, that's a vibe. Yeah, that's the vibe she's going for. I live 13 hours away from my nephew, so... I mean, he could still get on a plane and be like, I'm going to go live with Auntie Claudia. He I could. You, if I he's... saw you met him the other day, finally. Yeah, I mean, he could, but he would have to have £600. Um, yeah, fair. And I did meet him the other day, and he's very cute. He is very cute. He is. He He's very giggly and happy. He did throw oh, up good. on me, but it was my fault because I threw him up in the air a few times. <laughs> fair. They were like, he's going to be sick on you. And I was like, I don't care. He's giggling. I'm making him giggle. And then he was sick on you. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, baby sick is the least offensive. Like, it's the most oh, inoffensive yeah. sick ever. Like, it doesn't even smell. Is he under six months? Yeah, yeah, he's four months. Oh, yeah, so he's just on formula anyway. Yeah, so it's yeah. just milk. It's just milk sick, so it's fine. Yeah. I mean, they'd do that anyway, even if you don't throw them up in the air, so. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, at least there was a reason. At least you had fun doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all positive here. So I don't really know how to segue from that yeah like baby talk to from... true crime yeah yeah we're just gonna have to buy the bullet and go for it yeah <laughs> so it feels like forever since we've covered a true crime case i mean definitely forever oh. since we have together yes. yeah since me and you but in general i don't think i've covered a true crime case since halloween 
Oh, wow. That's or maybe just before Halloween. Yeah. And for wow. that, I am sorry, but there's kind of, there's, there's a reason. So there's, it's not only because of time and schedules, but also because I have sort of been battling with true crime as a genre, admittedly. Okay. And I haven't really spoken to you about this. Um, no, you haven't. But I think, so the Dharma documentary, or mm. it's, you can't call it a documentary because it's, no, it's a, so incorrect in it's parts. It's like fiction based on true. Yeah, which like, no yeah. one ever needs, by the way. No. <laughs> it brought forward a lot of people questioning true crime as a genre and the community, mm. if you can call it a community. And, and rightly yeah. so, because we also saw a lot of fans of Jeffrey Dharma pop up. Yeah, there was people on TikToks of like Jeffrey Dahmer earrings and being like, "I love him, I don't care," and it's like it's dangerous almost in a way. It's so dangerous and it's so disgusting. It's so mm. rude to rude is a very understatement. Is an understatement. Yeah. It's so disrespectful to families of the victims and yeah. to victims themselves. You know, survivors and victims. Oh, 100%. And you know, whilst we've obviously never condoned that, I did have to start to ask myself. You know, are we part of the problem? Are we, mm. as a podcast, you know, because it, in a way this is entertainment, are we part of the problem? Are we, you know, perpetuating that idea that this can be entertainment and someone's trauma is entertainment? Like, glor- not glorifying it, but... Yeah. Yeah. Like, you if know, like we people... didn't give it so much attention, the killers themselves wouldn't be so famous and so well-known. Exactly. Yeah. And I had to really sit sit with that for a bit, um, mm. you know, being the one who comes forward with the true crime and being the yeah. one who sort of put you about doing this podcast. And so I had to ask, oh, is this podcast part of the problem? And we never want to be. No. And with that being said, I kind of want to say, if you ever think that we're not doing the victims justice or if we're speaking in a way that's disrespectful, I really want you to call us out. Mm. I really welcome that. If we lose sight of it, I definitely think we should take a break. But if we lose mm. sight of it, also let us know because it's not something you can always judge objectively when it's yourself. Yeah. And additionally, if any families or loved ones ever reach out to us and are ever listening to this and want us to take an episode down, we will. Mm. There won't be any questions asked. I don't give a shit about, no, oh, but that's some of our most listened choice. to episodes. Yeah. Like, and that's not as important as their feelings no we've got we've got to respect the victims and the families yeah. of the victims and if if anything is said that is offensive like it shouldn't be on the internet no exactly we're even if people are rude to us about it we still won't be the victims in that situation no it's not like well you didn't ask nicely like well no you probably won't if you're upset yeah and you shouldn't have to because you know, we haven't got anyone's permission to talk about the I loved mean, one's murder. I think we both work in a job that has taught us that people do and say things when they're in pain and when they're hurting mm. that they don't necessarily always mean or mean to come across that way. Oh, yeah. I've definitely had patients be very rude to me. And yeah. then, like, you know, when they're in pain and then when they've been in less pain, they've apologised. And I don't hold a grudge there. I will say to no. them, yeah, that wasn't acceptable. Because I'm also not there to be abused. But you know why. Everyone in their life has been short with someone when they've been in a bad mood and had to go back and say, I'm, I'm really sorry. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You like know. When you're tired, you're hungry. Like I get really hangry. Yeah. So, yeah. No one's ever the best. No one's <laughs> always the best version of themselves. No. So you've got to appreciate people's wishes. So if you do ever see an episode disappear, you know, that might be why. And if you ever come across a family or someone we've covered saying that they don't 
you know ever want to come across something they don't like their loved one being spoken about let us know we will take that mm. down we will do whatever we can to make that right as well if extra steps need to be taken though often i understand they're probably not necessarily aware of this podcast and therefore i wouldn't <laughs> reach out and add to that trauma by apologizing for something they weren't aware of but the bottom line is we are not here to cause more trauma no trauma and pain to people we want to highlight crimes and i hope it's kind of obvious by how much we discuss people's intents that we're more interested in the psychology i'm not here to go you know to revel in the details of how people were killed that's not my intention um, no. i see enough horrible stuff at work i'm not getting my fill of it on other people's trauma I just want to discuss the psychology behind mm. it. I think it's hard because obviously, as you said, the interest around true crime is for people like me and you, not, well, for me, I just couldn't think of how someone got to that point where they could do something so awful. So yeah. as you said, it is the psychology behind it and like what happened, what were those steps, not celebrating why they did it is more no. to like, like how, how, do you go so wrong in life to get to that point? How many failures in the system or whatever mm. to get to that point? And I do truly believe that's what most people who have an interest in true crime, or I hope that's what most people yeah, we hope. are interested in. And I'd like to think that that's what we cover the most on this podcast, as well as yeah. respecting the victims. So, You know, I have had people come to me and say, you know, I really like how well you cover true crime. I think it's really ethical. And that honestly means so much to me. That's, that's one of the yeah, biggest compliments really nice. you can We've get. We've had a because few I, emails that say that as well. Yeah, and I hope really that nice. that is something that most people think because I, I feel like when I say to people, I have a true crime podcast, they instantly think, you know, and I'm not going to call out any other podcasts, but there's certain ones I don't endorse or listen to because mm. of they literally have a fun take on how to say the word murder. I'm not going to come for them because they've got many fans who could come for us. They're yeah, very big. We are very small. But, you know, I never want to sit there and be like, making puns and making jokes. It's just not, it's just not what I'm, I'm here for. No. And no. so I think to be told that we do it ethically is really nice because I do feel like people instantly jump to the fact that we're probably like, oh, ooky spooky true crime. And like, you know, I've seen tweets that are like, you know, I get murdered. Like I've seen a tweet that was like someone saying, oh, you know, I get murdered in a park. And then two white women on a podcast are like, oh my God, well done. Like, welcome this week. We're going to discuss the ooky spooky murder of blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's never what I want to be. No. And I understand that's what a lot of people think when I say, I have a true crime podcast. Yeah. It's hard because there's so many out there as well. Yeah. And like, not just podcasts, like um, documentaries or TV series or YouTube series. And there is a lot out there. So yeah. it's hard to distinguish the, I don't want to say the good from the bad, but. Yeah, and I'm not going to say that we always do it perfectly. We're humans oh, and we might get it wrong, but we want to know when we get it wrong. So yeah. tell us. And so... <laughs> God, after that. <laughs> sorry, it's a bit heavy, but I mean, what we're talking about is heavy. We're talking about oh, murder. Yeah. Like We can't sit here and... You not... can't make light of it, really. No. And yeah. So that might have been also why I've been sort of Fair. steering away from covering true crime because I've just been grappling with, am I part of the problem? And if so, do we need... Not thing is, I didn't want to stop the podcast. I no. thought maybe we needed to go in a new direction with it. You know, I was just thinking okay. maybe we only um, covered paranormal stories, which would be quite weird considering we're called True Crime Coven. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I really did have a long, hard think. And I, the reason I didn't involve you in that is because you had a new baby. And I thought yeah. you probably just <laughs> didn't want to be part of that. But that's Fair where enough. I was at. Um, 
it's do you a tough feel, one. Do you feel better now? I do. Um, I think uh, it's it's difficult because a lot of people will say that there is no way to have a podcast about true crime that's ethical. And I, I understand why mm. they think that. Mm. Um, I also think that, and I had a conversation with one of my friends. She was saying, you know, um, I don't like the way the internet has made serial killers famous. And I kind of said to her, actually, I don't think you're correct in that. Um, mm. Last podcast on the left recently covered a case where um, someone bombed a school and it was in the 1920s, I think. And people literally wow. went to that town. And some, one of the firefighters, I think, one of the first responders made a map that had all the houses of where the victims had lived. And people went and visited them, like did a tour. Like, you know, like, yeah, like Stars of Hollywood house yeah. maps. Like that, but for child victims of a bombing. Why would you want that? Exactly. Like, fucked up. And who, who was going on that tour? Well, that's the thing. Loads of people did. Like, they had so many people queuing up to get into that town and, like, take home bits of the wreckage and stuff. Like, so, it's different reading up about a serial killer and then going on a tour of victims' houses yeah. who are children. Yeah, it's disgusting. That That's a terrorist attack. Oh, like, yeah, completely. Oh. Um, And then, you know, in Victorian times, they would often go and have picnics at the places where murders had taken place, like crime scenes. Oh, my God. Um, because obviously they didn't really have secure crime scenes back then. Yeah, fair. And so, you know, whenever people say, oh, it's the internet making it bad, I'm like, no, the internet's making it more well-known. People yeah. have always been interested in true crime. Mm. And there's always been the ones who have taken it way too far, completely crossed the line. It's when not people realized... to make money off of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, we don't make any money off this. We make 16 pounds a month that all goes to simon for editing and honestly my goal isn't really to make money from this if we start making money that is more than just the time we spend researching i would love to set up a, a foundation like oh god yeah i'm not here to make millions of, of talking about people's traumas no and also if we were to get more money to fund this podcast we put it into other avenues of it not yeah. just into like oh okay we'll do like two murders a week like no we're still gonna stick with our foundation but maybe we'll do like a ghost tour like vlog yeah. or we'll do some merch kind of thing like if yeah. if we ever got money from it i'm but... completely not looking to profit off of people's no. trauma so yeah uh, i now realize we've spoken for 15 minutes about that but that was hey. what i've been grappling with and well, i think it deserved a little bit of airtime. and also if it helps you mentally and figures helps us figure out what we're gonna do with this then it's good if it needs to get cut it gets cut yeah and i just hope people realize that we're not here like i said to put any more negativity into a world that is kind of filled with it mm. so there's no easy segue from that to the subject today because we are going from talking about the efficacy efficacy yeah of true crime to talking about a murder but mm. today i wanted to speak about a young woman who was killed in 2021 and in my head, she's kind of part of a group of women that we've lost in the last two years. We haven't lost them. They were killed, actually. Mm. Lost really downplays it. Yeah. And that consists of Sarah Everard, Ashley yeah. Murphy, who we covered. Yeah. And Zara Alina, as mm. well as the woman that we're going to cover today. Okay. All women killed by men that they didn't know whilst they were just trying to live their lives, just going about their business. Mm-hmm. Now, Sarah Everard's case got a lot of attention, perhaps because it's sort of 
the first of the cases. It happened in lockdown as well, when obviously the news was COVID a lot. And then suddenly we had this murder of a woman. Also, the subsequent police brutality at the vigil of Sarah Everard also yeah. brought her case into the fore, like, forefront. This yeah. is at a time when Kill the Bill was going on. It's still ongoing. And obviously we support Kill the Bill, which if you don't know, isn't Kill the Bill as in Kill the Police. Police are sometimes called the Bill in yeah. the UK. And I think there was some discrepancy of people not understanding that. It's a bill against basically the Conservative government are trying to make protests illegal in the UK saying they're disruptive, which is a joke because That's what protests are meant to be disruptive. It's like saying that the rail strikes are disruptive. Yes, that's why yeah, they're that's doing the point. it. Um, <laughs> and we also support the rail strikes. Yes, um, we do. I understand they're very annoying for many people, but imagine if your jobs were getting cut and your pay wasn't representative of your job. That yeah, imagine how annoying, annoying that is. Yeah, we can't imagine. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so the, you know, it was, it got a lot of media attention. So today I wanted to speak about Sabina Nessa and what happened to her. Mm. Is this a name you're familiar with? Yes, it is. I think um, we've mentioned her before, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, and just on the news as well, because again, and also I kind of guessed it was going to be one of these, like there was a few that all came out around the same time. Yeah, they were actually within the span of about 18 months of yeah. each other. All really close together, weren't they? Zara Alina being the most recent. Mm. But I kind of can't help but wonder if the fact that we know less about Sabina and Zara Alina is because that they're not white women. Yes. Now, obviously, it could be because Zara Alina's case is still ongoing, as we said. And they don't want to speak about it, which and is And they don't want to speak about enough. it. Yeah. But there, there has to be a part of me that thinks that mm. the their race might come into... I completely, I completely agree because I think something came out about that at the time because there was a lot more about like other cases at the time and yeah. a lot less. Yeah, And, you know, it's not that I want to make this about race necessarily and I don't want to reduce them to just being women of colour. You know, there's so much yeah. more. Oh, but God, also yeah. your race and your ethnicity and your heritage has a lot to do with who you are. Oh, definitely. And so it's also not something, you know, when people say, oh, I don't see colour, that's problematic too, because not seeing someone's heritage and how that adds to them as a person. Yeah, not respecting their culture as well. Yeah, that's that's very reductive and mm. not helpful. Because I used to say, oh, I don't see colour, and I got corrected, and we learn and we move on. Fair enough, good. We grow. <laughs> we grow. I, I do think, however, we have to think about the race thing as well. When you think about a huge case such as Everard, who got yeah. loads of attention, rightly so. I mean, she was mm. also killed by a metropolitan police officer. Which um, I did think make, made the case a bit more high profile, but... Yeah, and it also brought forward a lot of questions about the misogynistic and, and rape was, cultures within yeah, the UK police force. Like one of the first ones as well, wasn't it? The Sarah Everard one. Yeah, but then you have to compare it to a case like Sabina Nessa, who... I, I didn't know much about it at all until I started researching. And yeah, I feel like I know so much. So with that, I think it's time to talk about what happened to Sabina Nessa so that we get the word out a bit more. Mm, definitely. Trigger warnings are sexual assault and also domestic violence. So if these are things that you can't listen to at the moment, we completely understand. We hope you're looking after yourself and getting any help that you may need and any support you may need. We'll see you next time. Sabina Nessa was 28 years old at the time of her death. She was raised in the market town of Sandy in Bedfordshire with her older sister. In 2014, she graduated from the University of Greenwich in London with a degree in sociology. And then she furthered her education by attending the University of Bedfordshire to obtain her PGCE teaching certificate in 2020, 
After graduating, she soon landed a job at Rushy Green Primary School in Lewisham, South East London, where she taught a year one class, which is no easy job. Oh, God, no. No. I think it's one of those things where, we're like, they're at a cute age, but they're also, like, a bit snotty. Um, they're very inquisitive, which is great, but a bit irritating. Yeah. <laughs> at that age where they're like, miss, 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 yeah. miss. And you're like, shut and up. They, and they might still have accidents as well, so you've got all the fun stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. And so it's weird to talk about this case as well, because, like I said, this is all my home. I can mm. picture these places. I got my nursing degree from Greenwich. Oh, wow. I did some of my nursing placements in Lewisham mm. for the first two years. And I know this isn't about me, but I just mean I can really picture this case yeah, in this you, area. Yeah, it's close to home for you. In particular, where she ended up being murdered. Um, I used to drive past there quite often as well. So oh, wow. I can just visualise it. And I, yeah. you know, I could have met her. I could have walked past her multiple times. And mm. it just, it always hits a little bit closer to home, doesn't it? So on September 17th, 2021... Sabina left her home on Astor Road in Kidbrook, an area of South East London, at around 8.30pm. She was on her way to meet a friend at the Depot pub in Kidbrook Village, not far from Kidbrook Rail Station. She had told friends how she was excited to meet this person. One article by Wales Online called this a date with a friend from her past, but I'm unsure if they use the term date in like a romantic or platonic sense, like I don't know oh, if they're okay. calling it a date or just like another way to say a meet-up. Yeah, like when... He, when... Someone says to you, oh, we'll do this time, this... And then you go, oh, it's a date. Exactly. But, like, it's not a date. But either way, she was apparently looking forward to meeting this person. And, I mean, like, it was a Friday mm. night. She was probably working all week. Yeah. She was excited. Fair enough. Her walk to the pub was meant to take her all of five minutes across Cater Park. But, unfortunately, she would never make it there. Despite being a no-show, however, she wasn't reported missing. And I'm unsure why... This mm. was really... I think it's easy in hindsight to say that they should have raised the alarm. Yeah. But I suppose at the time you just don't want to be dramatic. No. But I do want to say, if you're ever going to meet someone and they don't show and aren't answering their calls and texts, be dramatic. Yeah. Like, call other people who know them, report them missing. I'm not blaming the person for not doing this. Oh, like, God, no. But sadly. maybe this is a learning experience for everybody. That maybe exactly. we should be a little bit more dramatic. Yeah. I mean, you know what? What's the worst that can happen? Like... It can be called off and laughed off. Maybe someone's a bit annoyed of you for, like, being a bit extra. But... Is, but they're is alive safe? and safe, hopefully. Yeah. Sadly, it does seem like this wouldn't have changed anything for Sabina. But okay. I'm just saying. Yeah. If you're my friend and I don't meet up, be dramatic. Mm. Call Mikey, call my parents. Like, I'm not going to be annoyed of you. I'm going to be so happy that you took those steps in case I wasn't safe. Yeah. Because you never know. One day, sadly, someone might not be safe. Not in this way. But the car could have broken down. She could have fallen over and slipped and been on her own in a park. Like, yeah, you don't know. Be dramatic. <laughs> we need that on a top. Be dramatic. Be dramatic. <laughs> I love it. It would be the next day on September 18th at 5.30pm that dog walkers would find the body of Sabina Nessa under vegetation near the One Space Community Centre in Cater Park. It was quite a busy area, by the way. Okay. So she was quite well covered up near the vegetation which yeah. i think is why dog walkers found her because maybe their dogs, the dogs were like probably went over and started sniffing and yeah and they're like get away what are you doing imagine, imagine finding that like not i don't want to say like it's one of my fears but i honestly do not know how i would react if i was just out on a walk one day and i just like found a body especially because i know this area in a very urban area yeah 
This is very much a green space in an urban area. Yeah. This isn't, like, if you find a body in a countryside, like, obviously you're never expecting it, but it's a bit more like, oh. Someone's no, trying this to hide is, this. Yeah. Yeah. This is, like, like a near a community centre hey, in really? an urban green space. Oh, wow. Okay, so lots of people walking past. So many. I'm not sure if I know the exact park that they're talking about but from what i know of the area it's all like new build flats and it's sort of got like a revamping in the last i want to say five but it could be 10 years and it's all like new build flats and new build community center and everything they've sort of remade this area a bit because it has got a reputation for being a little bit rough as lewisham does and the surrounding areas it's a busy area you've got lots of people living close by you've got that community center it's a small green space it's not some big, vast park. It's a southeast London green space. Okay, so it is not obvious where she was, but it wouldn't have taken long for someone to find the body. Yeah. I mean, it was obviously well enough covered up that no one found her for, you know, a whole day almost. Mm. When you look at a map, the Guardian put in their article, and I will try to put it on socials, but I'm sometimes a bit bad at doing <laughs> what I say or do. You get a sense of how short Sabina's walk really was that evening. And how her body was found at about the halfway point of the walk. So it was a five minute walk. And that means that she was, say, two and a half minutes, three minutes into the walk. Meaning she was less than three minutes away from safety of the pub. That does make it more upsetting because to think as well that something like that could happen three minute walk away from your own house. I mean, again, I think I feel like we reference this case more than any other case. But it reminds me of the Sally Ann Bowman case. She was so close to being home and through her front yeah. door yeah she lit at her front door well my sister has literally moved around the corner from me and if you walk through there's a lane you can walk through and it literally takes five minutes mm. but the lane's not very well lit and she messaged me the other day saying can i come over and then she was like oh is it really lazy if i drive and i said no because if you walk down that like i was like i'm not letting you walk down that lane by yourself mm. late at night it's not no. lit it's surrounded by bushes Although I do live in, like, a new-build house, it's the bit that hasn't been built yet, so there's no houses around that bit yet. I was like, anything could happen to you there. I was like, drive to my house. Exactly. And it's things like this. And I'm like, but she shouldn't have to do that. I'm like, she five minutes in between her house and my house, she should be able to walk it. Exactly. She should be able to. But the fact is, all it takes is one absolute piece of shit to be down that alleyway waiting for someone. Yeah. Or to be walking down the alleyway at the same time. They don't even have to have planned it. They can just see no, someone on just, their own. And just think, you know what? Tonight's yeah. night. Exactly. And it's it's just so scary. She was three minutes away from meeting her friend, having the great night she deserved and continuing to live her life as she should have. Yeah. As she should be right now. You know, she should still be mm. living her life, being a teacher or, you know, whatever she wanted to be. Yeah. We shouldn't be talking about her right now. No. We shouldn't ever be talking about anyone, but... Yeah, no, we shouldn't be able to have this podcast because it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. happen. (laughs) But... It's heartbreaking to think that she was so close to being okay and all that was taken from her. But we see this time and time again. Mm. And who is responsible for Sabina Nessa's life being cut short? Kochi Selamaj was born on the 4th of May, 1985, making him 36 years old when he murdered Sabina Nessa. Kochi was an Albanian-born man living in Eastbourne, in East Sussex, on the south coast of England. 
working at the time in a garage and delivering pizzas. Now, interestingly, on the night of September 17th, 2021, Kochi Selimaj checked into the Grand Hotel in Eastbourne, a reservation he had made three days prior, and then proceeded at around 5pm to drive his Nissan Micra to South East London. Now, I'm unsure as to why he booked a hotel if he lived in the Eastbourne area, which he did. He apparently lived, like, behind a row of shops. Okay. But, like, don't get it wrong. I see the appeal of staying in a hotel, even if it's just down the street from your home. Like, nice clean bedding. It's a nice clean, like, room. Like, I see it. It's a five-star hotel as well, so I completely see it. Yeah, me and Aiden have done it before just because we had a three-night stay. Yeah. And the hotel was literally, like, ten minutes away from us. We were like, yeah, why not? Yeah, I would do it. But the only reason I can think of is, and this is just speculation, that perhaps he was trying to provide an alibi for himself provisionally. Oh, okay. Like, you know, I can't have been in London murdering someone if I was checked into a hotel at Eastbourne. Yeah, yeah. And Um, if they saw him go in, I mean, they would have still seen him leave at the time of the murder took place, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's a foolproof plan, (laughs) but, um, you know... Is it, and it does seem stupid to me because I've done the drive multiple times myself. Like, it's an hour and a half, two hours. So it's not as if it wouldn't be possible to do what he did. Like, yeah. drive, do it, drive back. Yeah. It's not a solid alibi, but hey, this, this is a he's, theory. And actually, we'll talk about it a little bit more yeah. later he's, on. Cause, he's tried to think about it, but... Yeah, and there's there's maybe another reason, but we'll come okay. on to that later on. When Kochi arrived in South East London, he went to the Sainsbury's local in Kibrook Village, where he bought a rolling pin which he intended to use as a weapon. However, he ended up using an emergency traffic triangle he found on his way to the park. So I wasn't sure what that is, but basically it's a red reflective triangle. Um, most are around like 40 to 50 centimetres tall They're and wide. big. No, but the one that Coachy used was said in court to be 60 centimetres long and made of plastic and metal. But yeah, not, not very... Not... Sturdy. Big, but no, yeah. Well, I guess it's got metal on it. Coachy then made his way to Cater Park just before 8pm, situated a few short minutes walk away and hid in the bushes, waiting for a lone female to walk by. And this is so sinister and scary. Like, mm. he hid in the bushes at, like, 8pm. Sabina left at home at around 8.30pm. It mm. took her a few minutes to reach the spot he was at and therefore he hid in the bushes, waiting for a victim for over 30 minutes. So he wasn't just targeting her. He just no. was targeting women. Oh, yeah. It was just who? Like, yeah. who Who am I going to come across? Yeah. Who gets there first? Which is also scary because it means he didn't have a type other than a lone female. Yeah. You know, like some serial killers have a, have a type. They've yeah. got, you know, like they're like blondes. They like brunettes. They like mm. black women. They like white women. He no, just he just wanted a woman. Someone. Um, and that makes it a lot scarier. Yeah. And I know it's not the longest time to wait. Um, You've got killers like BTK. Uh, He used to wait for hours in victims' homes before they would come home and then he would strike. But if you've ever been waiting to meet someone who's running late, for example, I think we all know that 30 minutes can feel like a lifetime. Yeah. Especially if you don't know what you're waiting. Like, he didn't know that there was going to be a lone female walking down there. So he could have been there. Like, he got there at 8 p.m. He could have been there till 3 in the morning. Yeah, he could have been there indefinitely until yeah. he gave up and went home. Yeah. Like, I wish he had been. How long was he going to be there for? Exactly. And it, the patience and the discipline it takes to wait in anticipation for something, because he would have been waiting in anticipation. He would have been excited, I, I presume. Like, 
excited and nervous or yeah, like, yeah. adrenaline is going to be feeling. going isn't it but yeah and it, honestly it makes me feel kind of sick mm. and it's definitely going to make me look at wooded areas in a bit of a different light you know I've always sort of looked at you know as a woman we look at areas like that lane near your house like wooded areas yeah. in that sort of light but I think this just really is a reminder yeah unfortunately people do wait in the dark and so when Kochi spotted Sabina walking alone through the park and apparently he like looked back and checked that she was alone because some sources did say that he walked past her and then double checked she was alone obviously other sources say he waited in a bush yeah perhaps he sort of came out of a bush and you know was like wandering around stretching his legs either way when he spotted her walking alone through the park he saw his opportunity he chased Sabina and then hit her over the head 34 times with the traffic triangle. Wow. He then took Sabina's body to the nearby bushes and strangled her to death. Oh my god, so hitting her in the head didn't even kill her? I think it just would have subdued her, because like you yeah. said, it's quite flimsy. Mm. It's hard, but it's oh my not... God. Yeah. I mean, people can survive road Work. traffic accidents yeah. with traumatic brain injuries, so... Afterwards, he removed her tights and underwear exposing parts of her body before covering her back up with grass and fleeing the scene. Then, of course, her body was discovered the next evening by a dog walker. Kochi was last seen at 9pm before leaving London to drive back to Eastbourne. He stopped on the way near Tunbridge Wells in Kent to dispose of the traffic triangle in the River Tees, or Tees, I don't actually know of that river, despite knowing the area somewhat well. The triangle had reportedly broken into bits during the brutal attack on Sabina. He arrived back at his hotel at around midnight. Initially, police actually arrested someone else in connection with Sabina's murder on the 18th September, so the day she was found. A man in his 40s who wasn't named. He was then released under police investigation. And another man aged 38 would be arrested on Thursday the 23rd of September at an address in Lewisham on suspicion of Sabina's murder but he too would be released without charge. Just a week after her murder, however, police released CCTV footage of a man near Cater Park that they wanted to speak to regarding the murder of Sabina Nessa. The footage showed 36-year-old Kochi Selamaj with his hood up. On Sunday, September 26th at 3am, Kochi was arrested and taken into the custody of the Metropolitan Police, nine days after the murder of the much-loved primary school teacher the licence plate of his Nissan Micra being used in the identification of him as a suspect. Reportedly, as he was arrested, Kochi remained calm and collected, laying on the bed when they entered his flat, never saying a word during the arrest. The search team then found his trainers and were able to analyse blood found on them to link him to the murder of Sabina. During questioning, Kochi remained silent, only breaking this when police charged him with the murder asking, what will happen if I tell you everything? However, as he had been charged, police were unable to probe him further. And honestly, like, every time we cover a case, you'd think that my understanding of the legal system would improve, but you'd be wrong, because I don't really understand why they can't, when someone's charged, then probe them further. Yeah. No, I don't really get how it works, to be fair. But yeah, I just, I I don't really understand. And honestly, if anybody wants to clear this up and just be like a legal go-to... Please, please be. Yeah, um, can shed some insight. Yeah, because apparently I, I know nothing. So he was charged with a murder and appeared in the Old Bailey on Thursday, December 16th. Interestingly, whilst Kochi would plead not guilty to the murder of 28-year-old Sabina Nessa, 
his barrister told the court that Kochi did accept responsibility for the killing. Which, I, I don't really understand that. <laughs> that just contradicts itself, right? Yeah. My thinking is either some sort of insanity plea, but I think he'd be hard-pressed to go at that angle, seeing yeah. as how he planned and coordinated the attack. And waited. Yeah, so he drove a 130-mile round trip, he bought and found a weapon, he waited for 30 minutes, and then covered up the body of Sabina successfully enough that she wasn't found for over 20 hours in a busy park. Yeah. Like, none of that screams insanity to me. Like, disgusted, perverted, evil? Yes. Insane? No. I've, I've met and I've worked with people who are in psychosis, and most do not have the focus to carry that out. No. And again, we've said this before, but it should be said that most people in a psychotic episode or mentally unwell are not dangerous to anyone but themselves. Yeah, and is the whole, as you said, like he booked the hotel room, he'd mm. driven, he waited, he double-checked that she was on her own. Mm-hmm. He bought a weapon. And then how can you say that you were insane at that time? Yeah, it doesn't. it doesn't make sense. Alternatively, I guess he was trying to say it wasn't premeditated and therefore he could say it was like manslaughter. Regardless, Kochi would change his plea on February 25th from not guilty to guilty to the murder of Sabina Nessa on what was the first day of his trial, which was originally set to last two to five weeks. Perhaps he and his defence, like they realised all the evidence that the prosecution had against him, such as, yeah. you know, the, the blood evidence, the 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 CCTV of his car and everything mm. and therefore knew that a plea of you know non-meditated murder or insanity wouldn't hold yeah. but either way at least Coach's confession spared the family and friends of Sabina having to sit through a trial and hear all the evidence though of course this is not why I believe he changed his plea I'm not going to sit here and give him any oh, credit God, of no. being kind or thoughtful no. he probably realised that he wasn't going to win this very yeah. quickly and then uh, changed it yeah However, this also meant that he didn't have to sit and endure the family's victim impact statements. They had to read them to an empty dock because he didn't attend his sentencing. And apparently they can't make someone attend their sentencing. Really? So they didn't get to read their impact statements probably to the one person that they really wanted to hear yeah. their impact statements. Oh, I think that should be compulsory. Oh, yeah. Because it seems of that reason. It seems completely wrong that he can't be made to listen to the impact of yeah. what he's done to those who are hurting the most. And so on that day, on April 7th of this year, 2022, Kochi was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum term of 36 years, wow. meaning he won't be eligible for release until 2057, when he is 72 years old. And whilst this is a long time, I still think at 72 he has life left to live. Sabina has no life. Yeah. She's no longer alive. She has no life left to live because of him. And sometimes that's when I think life should mean life because yeah. I believe in rehabilitation, but sometimes I think that there's no justice in it. Yeah. For, for a crime like this. Yeah. For a, yeah, a murder of someone completely innocent. Exactly. Now, as you would expect of a man who kills women, as I said, he acted cowardly mm. throughout which is just shown by the fact that he didn't attend his sentence in hearing. And the police echoed my thoughts by calling him cowardly publicly. Detective Chief Inspector Neil John describing Kochi Selamaj as an evil coward, adding that 
it is highly unusual for someone to go from zero to a crime of this magnitude. Mm. And yeah, it's all the more terrifying, in my opinion, the fact that he had no criminal history. Really? Um, they so spoke- that was, I was going to wait for you to like finish this whole story and then be like, okay, so what led to that? Like, that's what I was expecting to come. Oh yeah, well, we get really angry that he was never like booked before. Yeah, but he had nothing. Yeah. No, yeah, it's not a Mark Dixie where like, this was going to happen, why the fuck did no one stop him? Like, there was nothing to stop him. Wow. Like, there was no there was no indicator that he was going to go and kill a woman. How long had he lived in the UK for? He, I believe, I didn't write it down. I believe he came in either 2015 or 2016. Okay. I guess they would have still found something if he'd done, it was, was it Albania you said that he was? Yeah, so from? he had no criminal records in Albania. Oh, wow. None at all. In fact, I saw that they interviewed his uncle in Albania, who is completely shocked and saddened that his nephew is now a convicted murderer in the UK. No, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And honestly, they're victims as well. Yeah. Not quite so much, but they're still victims. They've still lost their nephew. Yeah, completely the nephew's own doing, but But Yeah, they still lost the family member, yeah. And it's also such a brutal way. It's not like, I mean, every murder of anyone is brutal, but like the frenzied 34 times hitting someone. And then strangling. I mean, we've talked about strangling so much on this podcast. It's harder than people think. Yeah. Yeah. Now, even his legal defense came out after the trial against him with Mm. the barrister who headed his legal team, Lewis Power QC, telling the BBC he, meaning Kochi, has shown no remorse. He is as cold as ice. That is his legal defense. Wow. Yeah. Even his legal defense were like, uh, yeah, he's fucked. And there was nothing to like. Well, actually, you saying that is a good segue into this. I've said okay. segue a lot. Apparently, it's yeah. my word of the day. Nice. He may have had a hidden violent side to him. Before he murdered Sabina Nessa, Kochi's married to his Romanian wife, who has not been named had just ended in the summer of 2021, after two and a half years together. His wife, whom it is speculated he may have married in order to legally stay in the UK, had endured months of violence from Kochi, with him apparently even putting his hands around her neck multiple times, which is even more chilling when you remember that he killed Sabina by strangling her. Yeah, okay, so this is where it's starting to come out now, although he didn't have any record. No, but his wife had left him because he was violent. Because of that. And also, like, good on her. That takes a lot of strength. It's also the most dangerous time in a woman's life if she's being, if she's being abused by her partner. It's the most dangerous time when you actually leave that partner. Mm. And I believe they were still living together, maybe. I'm not entirely sure it wasn't cleared up, but they might okay. have still been living together. So she very much could have become a victim of him and might have done yeah. had he not been caught quickly. Now, some clue as to why Kochi may have booked a room at the Grand Hotel for September 17th could lie in the fact that his wife, whom he was separated from, worked there. So reportedly he became Um. argumentative with staff at the check-in desk and they sort of noticed that his address was nearby and were a bit... I don't know if they kind of matched up that he of who he was or whether they were Mm. like, he's nearby, why has he even booked this room? I I don't know why that really matters that his address was nearby if he was being argumentative. But the staff called the police on their non-urgent crime number 101. But no police attendance was necessary. They were able to offer advice over the phone. And the situation okay. was sort of dealt with, apparently. Okay, so he wasn't being really, really abusive then. He Obviously, no. they flagged it up as being 
concerning. I mean, abusive enough that they called the police. I imagine they're used to having, you know, some people be dickheads, but... Yeah. Kochi later met his wife in his car, in the hotel car park that day, Mm. where he asked her for sex, but she rejected him. It was then that Kochi drove off and ended up in southeast London. So it could have been as well he was pissed off with women. Yeah. There's an entitlement there, um, which we see time and time again with men who commit crimes against women. There tends to be a sense of entitlement and what they believe they are entitled to. Yeah. Additionally, this paired with the undressing of Sabina led police to believe that this was a sexually motivated attack. Do you know what? As soon as you said about he like undressed her slightly, I did think there's some sexual element in this. Even if it's just... I say just, but even if it's to look at her, yeah, you know that's that's a crime. Hmm. However, thankfully, there was no sign of sexual assault found to Sabina. Obviously, there was sexual assault because he undressed her and looked at her body without her consent. But no, no, no physical. Yeah. Now, when looking up Kochi, you might see speculation as to whether he was legally or illegally at the in the UK at the time with reports that he originally came to England illegally from Greece. I think it was in the back of a lorry. But I just oh, want to wow, say okay. first and foremost that I'm not here for any xenophobic or racist comments mm. that anyone might bring to this case. Yeah, He did this because he was a piece of shit, not because he entered this country from elsewhere in Europe legally or illegally. This is not yeah. a debate about immigration. I personally I mean, think everyone's welcome. The amount of people <laughs> that immigrate to this country and don't murder people. Yeah. But you know what you know what people oh, like that yeah. use things oh, to God, their agenda. Yeah. yeah. Um I additionally don't want to hear any victim blaming, which Paul, of course people have tried to do. Oh because God, yeah, Sabina yeah. Nessa was walking through a park in the dark alone. And okay, yes, this is something that we're told as women not to do. You know, we've, we've touched on it. But it's we the should... fact that we should be able to do yeah. this. Also, um eight o'clock, yes, it might have been dark, but eight's not late. No, and that's probably what she told herself. Like, oh it's not even that late. Yeah. Also, I'm assuming in the park, somewhere she's walked multiple times, probably thought it was quite safe, around the corner from her house, probably quite mm. well lit. Because I've done it before. Like, there's a park near where my mum lives, but past a certain time of day, I wouldn't walk through the park because it's not well lit. I'd walk around. Mm. I'd go the longer way around. But had it been well lit, you might have chosen to... To go through it, yeah. So had the, it, I'm assuming this route was quite well lit. Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But the fact is we should be able to walk through parks on our own in the dark. Yeah. And we should be able to do this time and time again. And the fault will never lie on the woman who takes a shortcut. No. Or or the man who takes a shortcut. It'll always lie on the person who murdered them. Yeah. Not their choice to take a shortcut. However, many times we're told not to. That's not the point. And I I don't want to hear victim blaming. Heartbreakingly, she wouldn't normally have taken the shortcut as well. Oh, really? She normally would have done what is ingrained into all women. As in the past, she had discussed with her friends how important it is to stick to a main road. But that night she was running late. <laughs> it really makes me sad because I just, I think it just shows how sadly due to scumbags such as Kochi Selimaj, decisions like this cost women their lives. You know, ultimately it's his decision mm. that cost yeah. her her life. I can imagine a lot more victim blaming came out of this because... They were like, oh, well, if she had taken the main road, this wouldn't have happened to her. But as you said, again, she shouldn't have had to. No. She should be able to take the shortcut if she's running late and nothing should happen to her. And the thing is, like, I can imagine in my head how Sabina might have weighed it up. Like, oh, it's only a three-minute walk. Oh, it's yeah. only 
oh, it's, it's well lit, maybe. Yeah, it's just this once. I'll be fine. Mm. But sadly, you only have to come across a creep like this just once. That's all it takes. Yeah. Understandably, her family have been completely devastated by the loss of Sabina. God, I bet. Her cousin, Subel Ahmed, told the BBC that Sabina's parents and sisters are inconsolable. Describing Sabina herself as the most caring person, the kindest, sweetest girl you could meet. Adding that back home, her cats are looking for her. Oh, not I know. There's two cat owners and lovers. That's uh, extra. I know. Delhi walked in as you said that as well and just came up to me to stiff my hand. He went on to call her a beautiful soul who loved teaching and loved kids. It really did seem like from everything that was said, um, uh, even the head teacher spoke out about the loss and how profound it was, and they've you know they've made a garden for her. At a vigil for Sabina Nessa that took place shortly after her murder, her sister, Jabina Yasmin Nessa, told those that had come out for Sabina, words cannot describe how we are feeling. This feels like we are stuck in a bad dream and can't get out of it. Our world is shattered. We are simply lost for words. No family should go through what we are going through. And yet, sadly, families in the UK are still going through similar nightmares, with the aforementioned killings of Ashlyn Murphy and and Zara Alina. The head of the Metropolitan Police at the time, Cressida Dick, said that women were safe on the streets of London. But that simply isn't true. Nope. Zara herself was killed in East London. Sabina's case was also compared to the murders of Bieber Henry and Nicole Smallman in June 2020 in northwest London, where two police officers shared selfies of them with the dead sisters' bodies in the background. Oh, and- Wow. Yeah, this is a case that I've listened to Case File cover. Yeah. Is it Case File or was it They Walk Among, Among Us? I think it might have been They Walk Among Us, which is I, a UK-based say, true crime podcast. I listened to it. But... but this is a case I do want to cover, but it's just it's so disgusting that um, how the police acted that I, I, I think I'm going to have to prepare myself for it. But yeah. again, it's women of colour and police officers taking selfies with the dead bodies. That That's... Not only is that messed up, but they then felt confident enough in the culture to send it on WhatsApp to other police officers. That is... And who knows who else. That's awful. Yeah. It really destroys your faith in the police. Like, And I know it's not all police officers. Like, no. There are good ones, and it's probably, again... Sadly, the few ruin it for the many, but nothing shatters your faith in them like something like this. You have instances like this and you think, hang on, there has to be a culture because in order to feel safe enough yeah, to post those stories, take that picture. First of all, the two of you together taking that picture. Yeah. So clearly you both share this point of view that that's okay. Mm. But to then have the, a culture it. that makes it, that you're confident enough to share that in a group chat... Yeah, And then you have people like, the guy's name has completely gone from my head now, but the man who killed Sarah Everard, who was a Metropolitan Police officer, who was known as a bit rapey. Oh, that's, yeah. I think the worst thing about it as well is that the police are supposed to be the people to keep you safe. Yeah. Like, if you are worried that someone is stalking you late at night and you see a police officer, that should make you feel safer. And yet for Sarah Everard... That, wasn't that the was the person who killed her. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm, I mean, I know that Bieber Henry and Nicole Smallman's mother said that, she, you know, it was sort of reminiscent almost of like lynchings and stuff, having police officers 
comfortable to take pictures of dead mm. bodies of black people. It made them think of lynchings when that was endorsed by police officers or yeah. not endorsed, but okayed almost back in the day. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Like, fair. That's a fair comment. In fact, I was just li- I was reading today on Twitter or Instagram about how in 2018 the police um, set up a fake record shop with the recording studio out back to pretend to be part of the community and get mostly black men within the community implicated in crimes. But, like, literally not catching criminals, like, you know, not gaining their trust and hearing about what they're doing, literally asking black men to get them heroin, being like, oh, do you know where to get heroin from? And then not taking down the person that they got heroin from, you know. Taking like, down them, yeah. But taking down them. And yeah. it's like, what 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 crimes are you solving there? You yeah. asked someone to get something, and so they trusted you, and they did, but you haven't taken down the supplier. Yeah, so you've not stopped the problem. You've just put an you've innocent just, black man in prison. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you've um, just not added to the problem, but you've just made the problem more ongoing exactly and I I can see you know I don't hate police officers but I can completely see why people lose faith in them yeah definitely um I do also think they do a hard job especially in these minority communities exactly I do see I do I I appreciate they do a hard job you know I work with police often in in my role yeah I see that they do a hard job I see that they get spat at I see I saw one get bitten the other day Mm. I've got Um, friends who are in the police yeah, like, and and I they're see not police they, officers, but they're in the police force. I've got family members and I see, you know, and it's a very thankless job because the public is very against them. Yeah. Um, particularly in, um, you know, poor areas where they are more highly policed and therefore no wonder there's a higher crime rate because they're more highly policed. Yeah. But sometimes you have to think, well, maybe there's reasons why you have this reputa- reputation. Yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult and I'm never sure where I stand. And but it, ultimately with the victims. Again, it's one of those topics of conversation that me and you could, I feel like we could really delve into a rabbit hole and do a whole podcast episode yeah. just on... And also as two white women, I think we'll never completely understand what it would be like to be a person of colour. No. And living in an impoverished area that's, like I said, more highly patrolled by police. Yeah. And so shock horror, there's going to be more arrests because there's more police there to arrest people. And getting back to the case, you know, the murders of Sabina Nessa and Bieber Henry and Nicole Smallman have been compared due to the lack of media coverage and outrage that seem to happen that when women of colour are murdered compared to that of white women such as Sarah Everard. Yeah. And when you consider that the murder of Sabina Nessa didn't even make front page news, you really start to see the differences in reporting. Yes, she had vigils that had thousands just like Sarah Everard, but, you know, not making front page news. Apparently, one Twitter user even tweeted that it was on page 25. Like, they were, like, page 25, were, like, outraged. Wow. Um, and that tweet later went viral, hence why I even know about it. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's mad. The chief executive of Women's Aid, Farah Nazir, rightly said that Sabina Nessa's death was as unacceptable and shocking as that of any other woman. And our headlines, TV coverage and outrage in our social media posts should reflect this. And as an article I read by the National Post pointed out, even international cases such as Gabby Petito become huge breaking news in the UK. And isn't it odd that she happens to be a white woman? And yet 
the article goes on to compare this to the case of Tiffany Foster, a black woman who also went missing in the US and who did not get the same coverage as Gabby Petito. And yeah, I haven't heard of her. And so tonight I will rectify this and I will learn all about her and her case and perhaps we'll discuss it. It is. As much as people are like, oh no, it's not about race. It is at the end of the day. We don't hear about black women going missing as much. We don't hear about, in America, native women going missing as much. No. And it's just more accepted. And so I do think going forward, in order to make this a more ethical podcast, I do want to cover cover more cases of women of colour. Because even looking back, we've covered a lot of cases of white women and white victims. Because that's the ones we tend to hear about more because that tends to be what's on the news. But it's up to us to do better. Yeah. And it's up to me to re- research better, uh, especially as a white woman. I should be looking to be an ally. Yeah. Um. So that is something that we're going to change. That's not to say we're not going to cover crimes against white people, but I just think it's good to be aware that we should be covering cases that are representative of the demographic of where we live. Yeah. But I just think the takeaway from this is that we have to ask ourselves why we know Sarah Everard's name and why, I'm not going to lie, when we've referred to Sabina in the past, I couldn't remember her last name. Yeah. And that's wrong. I should have. It's just what we're shown on the news. Yeah. And therefore, if we're not going to be shown it on the news, it is up to us to learn about it. Yeah. To read about it. So, of course, our hearts go out to Sabina Nessa's family and friends and you know it still goes out to Sarah Everard's family and friends Ashlyn yeah. Murphy's Bieber Henry's Nicole Smallman because it, it shouldn't happen to anyone no and the fact will remain as we said before women should be able to walk where the fuck they like mm-hmm. and men should just not fucking murder them people <laughs> should not just mu- should just not should murder not them murder. yeah people should just start murdering we're very brave to come out and say that people shouldn't murder I think yeah <laughs> I don't think it's talked about enough no, I don't think so. <laughs> and so I guess there's nothing else to say because we're just going to be getting ourselves more and more wound up. But yeah, I hope you understand why we took a little break from true crime. I didn't say why, but that was why. I hope you understand that we are going to try and be a bit more representative of where we're from and our beliefs in justice. And um, welcome back, Jess, as well. I know you obviously were back last week, but welcome back to true crime yeah. land. I quite enjoyed it, not having to do anything but turn up. So (laughs) now I've got to go and find some ghost stories for next week. Yeah, and as always, we need you to email them in. Otherwise, Jess is going to have to return to Reddit. And we all know that that's not always the best place in the world. No, I have to always rewrite them as well because they're not as well written as the emails they get. Or I'm just going to have to go on one of those ghost tours that I sent you and have my own experience. Well... We live we live in hope. <laughs> we live in hope. But to do that, I need money, so... <laughs> yeah. Also, just to let you know that we... First of all, Simon is off visiting his partner next week, and therefore we are going to try and get an episode out to you, but it might be myself or my partner who has a full-time job editing it, so it might be a little bit late, or it might not happen. We're really sorry if that's the case. Also, we are going to take a two-week break over Christmas and New Year, just because, you know... We have friends and family Family, we want to see and spend time with as well. I might try and do some more sort of Patreon sneak peeks to get you guys excited for Patreon. (laughs) I'm excited. But I can't promise anything because I still work full time as well. And also another exciting thing, we might be teaming up with an amazing artist, a local Bristol artist called Lois Goody, to bring some merch. So keep your eyes peeled for that. 
any anything your end, Jess, that you want to add? <laughs> um, no. No. <laughs> um, Thank you for your contribution. Yeah. Once I'm in a bit more of a routine, I'll try and do some more stuff too. But <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You've got a child. I yeah. I mean, she couldn't even go this whole hour and twenty five minutes without interrupting. Oh yeah, just because you might have missed it. Jess um, actually had to breastfeed for one part of this. So once again, just letting you all know that we are a small budget podcast. <laughs> and so. As usual, all that's left to be said is stay spooky. Hey guys, if you have a ghost story or a case suggestion, please email us truecrimecovinpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at truecrimecovin or on Instagram and Facebook where we are at truecrimecovinpod. Also, it would mean the absolute world to us if you could rate us wherever you're listening to this right now, be it Spotify, Apple Music, or if you're on YouTube, give us a little thumbs up, click that bell, get notifications every time we post. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from. Make these two witches smile. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, witches.